Welcome to the We Collide podcast. We're a growing community of everyday chicks colliding with Jesus in our mess, our pain, our joy, and our stories. We value showing up as we truly are, so that's what you'll find here. Walls and masks being torn down so that we can allow Jesus to meet us where we truly are and hear about other women doing the same. We can't wait to collide with you. In times in my life where I there was a behavior or a thought that I really wanted to change, where something I was doing was so not serving me well, I think the only thing that that allowed for that to change in my life, for truth to enter, for a new new way of being to be birthed was to practice. Welcome to the We Collide podcast. I'm Willow Weston, the founder and director of Clyde. And today I'm so thrilled to have Amy Brandt on the podcast. Amy is one of the trusted counselors on our network of counselors for the Collide Counseling Program. And I've actually known Amy for many years. We used to go to church together. And Amy is not only an amazing therapist, but she is wife to a husband, uh, Dana, who's actually one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and she's mom to her boys. And I respect and admire Amy's work, her voice, and her life. And I'm so excited that you guys get to spend some time with her. So, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Amy, you and I have chatted this week. We are uh, recording this podcast right in the middle of this coronavirus crisis. In fact, you and I are both at home. We were just joking before we press record (laughs) that you're in a closet and I'm in a blanket fort and we're recording (laughs) this together. And um, things are crazy all around us. And people are scared and people are sick and people are panicking. And you reached out to me concerned because you're seeing so much anxiety coming into your office, um, so much anxiety around you. And even um, you're feeling it yourself. I'm feeling it too. I appreciate your heart to help us all so much. Can you kind of let us in on what you're seeing that has you so concerned about all of us? Yeah, I think um, I think even before... Corona and in general, um, in life and in my practice, I was just seeing more and more anxiety kind of show up at my door, whether that was in my own life or through friends' lives. Um, and so even before all of this, I think there was just an uptick in the amount of anxiety I was seeing in my office in particular. Um, and I think, I think then we add on top of that this, this crisis that really is, um, could be for many people, a traumatic event and something that we'll remember, I think, historically. Um, and I think we're adding sort of trauma on top of anxiety, (laughs) which just starts to kind of bring, um, yeah, just bring higher levels of, of stress. And, you know, if we want to kind of get into sort of you know, brain chemistry and all of that, we're just talking about um, really physical changes happening within our our chemistry, our makeup and our brains that really do have and can have lasting effects on 
our body and on our mood and on, um, on how we function in the world. And I think whenever there's a traumatic event in anyone's life, um, it's a time to really get pretty serious about our self-care and how we're taking care of our bodies, um, just so that our bodies have the best chance at, um, at sort of coming back down to normal as quickly as possible. And, and I think as I'm sitting with especially clients, but even friends and family members, um, I want that for them. And, and as a person who's experienced trauma myself, I know firsthand how long it can take to heal. And, um, I think I want people to have access to tools um, to just help their bodies and brains and hearts get through it um, and hopefully come out on the other end, um, not as scarred or scathed. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really am excited to talk to you about some of those tools and our body and the effects of trauma and stress. Before we do all that, I, I want to back up to something you said, because I've been thinking about this too. It feels like we were a people who were already functioning at a high level of stress and anxiety as it were. Can you kind of break down for us as um, someone who's you know, sort of an expert in the field. I know you probably are like, don't call me that, but, but, or maybe you are you're an expert in the field. Like, tell us what that looks like, where when a person is already highly stressed and highly anxious, and then sort of this triggering event or uh, a circumstance of hardship comes, what, what does that have the uh, capacity to do to someone who's already anxious and stressed? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think we were a people group that was already a lot of us running sort of high on anxiety. And there, I think are a number of reasons for that. Um, and I think the tricky, the tricky thing about that question is that it can look really different for lots of different people. Um, but we do see, you know, higher levels of cortisol and adrenaline and stress hormones that, um, that really can kind of change the brain's ability to functions. So if any of us, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if any of us, uh, you know, have prolonged periods of stress, we know that that affects memory retention. We know that it affects our ability to problem solve. So the problem solving part of the brain doesn't have as much access because we're in flight or fight or flight, sorry, or freeze mode. Um, so we're not, we're not thinking clearly or as calmly or as wisely or as critically as we normally would. Um, the central nervous system is really impaired by a lot of stress. So that means things like, um, I mean, as simple as heart rate, but, you know, can affect our immune system, can affect our gut health, our, our, um, you know, how, how well we're processing our food. It can affect, um, obviously then like mentally and emotionally it affects, um, you know, it causes depression. It causes more anxiety. It can cause panic attacks. It can cause, um, you know, so many things It can cause us to want to isolate, to numb, to, um, to not feel because we're feeling sensation, not only just emotional, you know, trauma and we might be emotionally really charged, but our bodies, our physical bodies are 
you know, experiencing a lot of sensations that aren't comfortable, whether that's emotion or maybe numbness or maybe, you know, feeling really tired or whatever, um, lethargy. There's so many different ways that, you know, our bodies can be impacted by a trauma um, or again, long periods, you know, sort of sustained stress over time. You use language like managing anxiety. Is it possible to manage anxiety? And if so, where do we start? Yeah. So when I use the word manage anxiety, I think that that has been my personal experience is that I am a person who I think always my whole life has tended towards anxiety. Um, I tend to be more of a perfectionist. I tend to want to do things really well. I tend to take things very seriously. I tend to, I think, carry more, um, concern and worry than some people. I, I also don't think I'm off the charts for the norm. So I will say that too. I think a lot of us are walking around like this. It's not, um, but I think for me, I have found ways over time. And then I should say I started therapy when I was 17. So I've also, I've been in therapy and, and worked on my anxiety and pra- practice these things um, for a long time. So, and I don't have it figured out yet either, but I think I've found ways, tools that help me, um, pay attention to my anxiety, know how high my anxiety is, check in with my body to see where I'm holding tension and anxiety. Um, I, I have tools in my toolkit that allow me to sort of moderate how much anxiety I've got going on to know how much is there and then to know what I can do with it. Um, and I think that has been a lot of therapy, a lot of practicing. I think, I think the key to any skill or any tool is the more you use it, the more you practice it, the more you try things, the more you figure out what works for you and the, just the better you are at using the tool. Um, And I definitely have seasons too, where I'm not good at using my tools and I end up in my therapist's office and I chat with her about it and she reminds me of what my tools are and, and I get back at it. But I think, I think when I'm talking about managing, I think it's about managing anything. Like we manage our schedules, we manage our children, we manage our businesses, we manage so many other things in our lives. And we have tools that help us do that, that there's other things. I'm never going to be a person that doesn't have anxiety. I I, I think I'm always going to have, that's always where my body is going to tend to go in stress. So I, my job then is to learn how to cope with it. And, and there's all different ways to do that. And that's getting a counselor. That's maybe getting on some meds for a season because that's sometimes our brains and body need that. Um, Anyways, there's a long, there's a long list of things. Yeah. Well, let's open your toolkit for a little while. Like let's, let's imagine you opening your toolkit and you're going to pull out some tools today and you're going to invite us into uh, some tools that work for managing your anxiety and people that you counsel and help us um, 
also add those to our toolkit. Can you kind of throw out a few of those tools for us? Yeah, I would love to do that. Um, I think the first thing, and I said this and you said this too, but I think the first thing is to remember that um, I used to say this when I was counseling, specifically counseling kids. And I think, um, I think it's helpful still for adults and I use it. I say it to my clients too, but I think, um, I think when approaching a problem, it's just really good to be curious and to sort of, I I would tell my young clients when I was working with kids, like, okay, we're going to be a detective and we're going to try to figure out your anxiety and where it shows up and how it walks around your house and what it looks like. And then we're going to try to figure out, we're going to be detectives and try to solve the problem and the mystery and figure out what helps make anxiety smaller, what, what makes it bigger, those kinds of things. And so I just think it's helpful to go, okay, some of these things might work for me and some of them might not. And, and it's my job to sort of be in this posture of curiosity and, and a willingness to try and also not put so much pressure on it or pressure on myself that if I fail or something doesn't work that I then attach guilt or shame to myself. Right. Or that I don't, um, you know, I just think it's, I think it's important to, to try and try in earnest, but also to, to hold that some things might not work for a given person. Um, so I like to, to use metaphors and they're just helpful for me. And I think, there's a bunch of metaphors that could work for this, but I was sort of thinking about like, what is something where someone puts a lot of stress on their body or on their system and how could we liken that to anxiety? And I kind of like the, in my, in my practice, I use the, the example of like a marathon runner um, and how much stress is put on their, their physical body their and their mental, their mental body too. And um I think if we kind of look at anxiety and, and in particular, I would say in this kind of season that we're in with the coronavirus, where we're not just dealing with anxiety, but we're also dealing with maybe trauma on top of that and kind of um, really high levels of stress. I think what we want to do is look at what, what is anything that's within your control that lowers the whether it lowers the tension in your body, lowers your heart rate, helps your body just function properly. We're kind of going back to basics in a sense. And so first we start as a counselor, I would start with a client and go, okay, how is your sleep? Um, is there sleep is so important for regulating all kinds of functions in the body. So, you know, first focus on that. Like, is there anything you can do to be getting more sleep? Do you need to take a warm bath or a hot shower before you go to sleep? Do you need to wear earplugs? Do you need to um, meditate before you sleep or pray before you sleep or do something or read before you sleep? Something that sort of allows your nervous system to calm down, um, your heart rate to calm down, your body to, to calm down and lose tension. Um, and we're, and you know, other basics would be eating. Are you eating in a way that sort of promotes health in your body? And, and I don't mean excessively. I don't mean like crazily, like I eat ice cream and I eat, 
I've been eating all the Easter candy that was stocked in our house because we're not going to probably celebrate Easter. So my husband, like every time I come out of our laundry room, which is also like our pantry, he's like, a few more Reese's? I'm like, yep. <laughs> so I, I don't mean I don't mean eat in a way that's obsessive or or crazy or whatever, but I just mean in general, like let's focus on that. It it let's do anything we can to help our bodies function. Um, and for me, that means eating a lot of Reese's peanut butter cups right now, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> or at least I'm saying it's okay. I don't know if my doctor would, but I'm saying it's okay. I love this idea, though, because the whole idea of asking yourself what is in your control, I mean, just, I mean, just counsel my family, man. I feel like the first two days of quarantine, uh, it's kind of struck me about two or three days in, like we're all kind of down, right? You're listening to the news. You can't, you've had to cancel all your plans. You're starting to get worried about if this goes on too long, what this is going to mean for you. The kids are at home aimless. And it struck me, why are we inside? It is sunny outside. Sure, we can't do our spring break. Sure, we can't go to school and go to our sports and we can't do, you know, the ministry events we were so excited about. But it is sunny out and we can still go on walks and we can go see, you know, the flowers popping up and the sunshine shining on our faces and we can walk our dog. And, you know, like there are things that we have control over. Yes. Yes, We don't have control over a lot, but we do have control over some. And I love that you're actually bringing this up because I started your perspective started shifting a little bit when I started realizing there are still things that are free and available to me that bring joy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that's peanut butter. Totally. Yes. <laughs> well, and I think I think that's and I I yeah, I think I that's my entire point. I think for every person there are things that make us feel like ourselves. And that does not have to be expensive and that does not have to be work. There are other things that help you feel connected to yourself and to connect and connected to others. And so I think, you know, once we have all those basics in, in check, like sleeping, eating well, like exercise and exercise is really important. I just want to talk about this really quick before we move to the rest, but, um, exercise and moving your body is probably the best thing you can do for tension, anxiety, stress, and trauma. And it's just a proven way um, that the body can flush adrenaline and cortisol and other stress hormones. It's actually how our body releases it. And so you don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't even have to be a power walker. Like, I don't even care. But, you know, if there's some way you can move your body that could be just like dancing in your kitchen and turning on fun music. And that could be just, you know, walking around your block or, you know, whatever. Moving your body is really important. It really will help regulate some of those, you know, hormones that are and, and chemicals that are being released. Um, and, you know, sort of research over and over and over and over again says that, um, you know, we're so interconnected, our body and our souls and our minds are connected. And 
if we release tension in our physical body, that will help our mental health and vice versa. If we focus on our mentality, that has an impact on how much tension our body's holding. Does that make sense? It's a two-way street. And so oftentimes in times where there's high stress, it's harder or can be for some harder to work on how our mind is ruminating and how we're, you know, thinking about the stresses and, and, you know, what's going to happen to our small business and, you know, whatever else, it's easier to attack it from a physical standpoint or from the physical side. And so move your body, figure out a way to do that. Um, my son's preschool teacher gave us all these silly like dance videos for preschoolers. <laughs> They're like, um, you know, I don't even know. There's one called ice cream and guacamole. It's just like the silliest, funniest things. But so my sons and I have been doing these videos in our living room and, and it's just one way I'm like, okay, we can move our bodies this way. Um, and I think, you know, just to add to the list of like, what else do we do? I think staying connected to your people and, and I don't mean fake connected. I think it is really important right now that, that most of us are, so if you have anxiety at all, and if you're worried at all about this situation, there's a point where reading more about it, watching more about it, sort of adding more and more information to your mind and brain and head, it gives you your brain more fodder to worry. And there comes a point where you just have to say, okay, I know enough and I don't have control over what's happening. So I'm going to choose to not take in any more information or, you know, much more information about this situation. I, I am specifically, I think, thinking about the coronavirus right now um, and where instead you go, okay, I'm going to just choose to connect like, again, what's in my control. Okay. I can call these friends and have real conversations with them. I can send flowers to people I'm thinking about. I can drop a meal off to someone on their porch. I can, you know, staying connected to your people in ways that are real and sort of pulling off of maybe some social media outlets that are only going to fuel the, the anxiety and ruminating fire, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's pause around staying connected. Isolation and loneliness were already an issue for, for people. Um, but I can already see how this sort of event could make people really go inward. What are some of the sort of unhealthy behaviors that we tend to do that isolate us? Mm -hmm. Well, I think whenever we're uncomfortable or there's stress, um, we want to not feel, and it's actually, you know, if we go back to like the brain and how it functions, our, our bodies are made to protect us. And so if there's something that feels uncomfortable to our bodies, our souls, our minds, our body is actually, you know, wired to help us not feel that way. Like if there's too much pain, if there's too much anxiety, if there's too much um, depression or, you know, too much worry, our body actually wants to help us not feel that. Um, and so we will start isolating, we will start numbing. So, you know, there's all different 
ways to numb, whether that's, you know, alcohol or, you know, other substances or, um, Netflix (laughs) or, you know, or just, you know, staying in your, your place all day. And, and even reading could be that for someone. Um, I think just watching how much you're trying to not feel. Now, I think there's a place, it gets tricky because I think there is a place for distraction. And I think there also is a place for tools that help us feel alive. But numbing will help you. It, the difference is that numbing will take away feeling, will take away sensation. And what we want to do is not... We want to be feeling, we want to have sensation in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. So I, I think just watching out for, for a tendency to um, check out, I think we don't want to check out. We want to stay present in the moment and we want to be aware of our feelings. If you're feeling really stressed out, you want to say to yourself in the present, I mean, I I'm probably weird, but I actually kind of talk to myself, (laughs) you know, I'll say to myself like crap, like I, I'll use a different word, but for the sake of this, you know, like I am, I'm feeling crazy stressed right now. Like I can feel it in my body. I, I want, what I want to do right now is to go turn on Netflix and watch all the Gilmore girls in the world and not, not think and not feel, but rather and sometimes that's okay, right? We're all going to do that. But I think probably what would be healthier for me to do is go, I can I can sense how much tension my body is holding. I need to get my boys and I outside. We're going to go for a walk and I'm going to like try to release some of these worries and remind myself what's in my control, which is going for a walk with my kids right now. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because there's this sort of temptation to do all these things you're listing, right? Like we have, we have almost CNN or Fox news or whatever news station people listen to on the background, almost like it's like music right now. It's just all day long. And I love mm-hmm. your kind of charge to say, I yeah. know enough, like I know enough and replacing yeah. the sort of, Uh, I had another guest on the podcast yesterday that I talked to and he called it, um, Pastor Seth Thomas called it the hype machine, like kind of taking the hype machine off and replacing it with things that are going to be helpful. But then our tendency to numb and to distract and to go inward, um, you know, I think what you're saying is, of course, we're going to do some of those things. Of course, we're going to watch some movies and some TV when we're quarantined. Uh, But what are some questions maybe to help us recognize when we are leaning towards the unhealthy side of numbing and distraction? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's, a lot of it is about time to me. Um, so I want to spend as much of my life living in the present and living awake. And that might sound really weird, but I don't know how else to put that. Like, I want to be awake to my life. I want to be awake to what my children are doing in front of me and present for that. And I want to be awake to how 
I'm feeling and I want to be present enough to be aware of the fact that my husband's anxiety is growing and growing. Like I want to be present enough to, to, you know, listen to myself when I'm like, oh, I need to check in with that person. I want to be awake enough to, to sort of listen to myself and listen to my intuition and, um, yeah. And just notice what's happening around me in my life for my people. And if I am numbing too much, if I'm spending too much time on YouTube, if I'm, this is talking about me, right? This is so, so my vice is to like escape through scene or story. So movies or books or other things, this, that's just sort of how I numb. And, and I think, so one, I think knowing how you numb is important probably, but then just like figuring out for yourself, like what, how much time am I spending in those worlds? Like those are two very different worlds. And my, my intention and my hope for my life is that I spend the majority of my time in the present with my family alive and awake um, and present and not in a world where I'm numb and so numb that I'm not aware of the sensations that are going on in my body and I'm not open to my intuition or my soul or God speaking to me um, to care for people, moving me to do things, to act that there's um, yeah. I think for me, it's about a time thing. Like how, how much time am I spending in those two worlds and, and am I living the life I want to live? I think this, that sounds like a really big question, but I think the thing about where we're at right now with the coronavirus is there really is this, and this is going to sound crazy perhaps, but to me, there is a gift in what's happening. And it really is sort of slowing things down for all of us in a way where we're forced to kind of look at how we were living and also like live in a different way. Like we're forced to live in a different way and sort of go, okay, like how am I going to choose to live and be present and be with my family and be with my community in this season? Because I was able to sort of hide behind the busyness of my life before and the pace of my life and and sort of our normal ways of functioning. And now I can't hide behind that because I'm at home every day with my kids and I'm not driving around and I'm not doing pickups and I'm not in my office, right? Like I'm, I'm doing telehealth from home and there's a slowness and a, a newness about how I'm living that allows me to go, okay, now there's this, I have to practice new ways of being intentional about my life. And I think in a way, at least for me, that's feeling in the midst of the stress and in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of my anxiety and my husband's anxiety, um, there's also, there's a gift, at least to me, it's feeling there's, yeah, it's feeling like a gift. Yeah. It's definitely a perspective shift that has to happen though. I think the initial onset of all the fear, panic, worry, transition. And even though that sort of still exists, the invitation is how do we manage our anxiety and then begin to shift and see the gift that God has for us in this time. It won't all feel like a gift necessarily, but 
asking ourselves what what are the gifts that that we can experience in this time and i know i i've been doing the same thing i mean i know that when humanity's stripped of what they're used to having you start to sort of realize who you are and what matters most and right now for our family um you know we we still have God's hope and God's love and that'll never change and we have each other and sure we're we're we have some major concerns on the horizon but we like I said can still go play in the sunshine we can play games together and laugh we can um encourage each other we can have we're having deeper conversations with our children about god in fact i wrote an eight-week devotional for families to be intentional to ground and center their kids for the next eight weeks we're coming out with that in a week and that really is uh the outcome of this experience you know and so our family is actually reflecting more on deeper spiritual things together than we probably ever have so those are some of the gifts that we're experiencing. And I know there are gifts to be had in the season, but it's definitely a perspective shift. And I think it's so easy for us to sort of swim in darkness and not come up for air and light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a trick. I guess I don't want to say it's a trick, but it kind of is. I think there's a trick to that or something I just want to bring up. And I think, it's really easy for all of us, any of us in any season, I think particularly in seasons of stress, but I think for all of us to kind of have what I would call like black and white thinking or, um, you know, people put it all differently or like all or nothing thinking. And I think in a season like this, when we're consuming, especially when we're consuming a lot of media, but also it's hard to get away from it. The reality is there's just a lot going on in our world right now for many people, things that are horrible and awful. And it's really hard to sort of not just see, see that, right. Not just see the horrible, not just see the dark, not just see the pain, not just see the stress, not just see the anxiety or not. And and I guess when I'm saying see, I mean, experience and feel because we're all feeling those things as we're seeing those things. Right. Um, I think it's important to try to challenge ourselves and this is a muscle, right? So again, I'm, this isn't easy. The perspective shift isn't easy and the, but it takes practice. It, It takes practice and training. And just like that marathon runner would, would go on runs every day and put its body through something that is not easy, but is worth it, right? That pushes it, pushes it towards its goal um, or their goal. I think practicing saying, okay, like I'm going to try to be intentional about having eyes and a mind and a heart and a body that are open for the goodness and, um, and trying to, to, to not sort of have this black and white life where we're only living in the stress of things and somehow numb to everything else in our life, but rather how can I, how can I be work on being more and more present in my life and also hold that there's this really stressful, crazy sort of historical thing happening in my country right now, or could just be in, in, you know, three years from now in life. Like there's this really hard, stressful, traumatic thing that happens how can I hold that there's 
there's still life happening, right? That there's still flowers growing, that the sunshine is still shining, that I've got two little boys that are laughing about farts in, you know, in the living room. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a dog that ran away yesterday and I'm like running down the street and meeting a new neighbor from six feet away, you know, like that there's still this, you know, there's still this stuff happening that is real and beautiful and funny and, um, and full and rich in the midst of the, the pain and the stress and the fear. And, you know, how can I try to walk this, this tension and, and sort of force myself to, to pay attention to both, if that makes sense. Yeah. Amy, if, if, well, I imagine, I imagine all of us listening we're listening to you. We're sitting in your office and you're counseling us today. And we've been swimming in all the fear and all the anxiety, all the worry. And we're, we haven't been present to the things that are in our control that are still good. We haven't been present to kind of shifting our perspective to what does God have for us in this time and how is God still good and what are the beautiful life gifts all around us that we still can experience and hold on to. If we were sitting in your office and you noticed that that, that perspective shift needed to happen in us to see the gifts, what would you, what would you advise us? to do today, just start yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. To kind so, of win that and have that perspective shift. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's three things. I think first, practically, I would have you sit and just make a list, like make a list of the things that are in your control. I, I'm a visual person. So that really helps me, but I think it's also really grounding. Um, take five minutes. It won't even take you five minutes. It might take you two so I'm in control of what, how I feed my body. I'm in control of when I go to bed, knowing that sleep, more sleep is going to help my body the next day handle the stress. I'm in control of how I treat my husband and my children. I'm in control of whether or not we get outside and breathe fresh air today. I'm in control of whether or not, um, you know, what I choose to put in, what I choose to see, what I choose to consume in my mind and my heart. So I'm going to watch how much I'm on social media. I'm going to instead, yesterday I pulled out Little Women, which I haven't read in forever, but I usually read once a year at Christmas time because it just makes my heart warm and fuzzy. And I was like, okay, shoot, it's spring and it's sunny out here, but I'm going to have Christmas in my living room, right? Like I just needed to feel, I needed to consume something that was heartwarming. Um, so I think making a list, make a list of what's in your control. And maybe a part of that list is also like what breathes life, what breathes joy to our family. And so for my boys, that's dance parties. For my boys, that's climbing trees. And so we have been climbing lots of trees. Um, you know, maybe that's painting for you or some, some other kind of artistic form. Maybe that's, maybe you need to be really intentional. You're an extrovert and you need to be super intentional about connecting with your people. And so you make a schedule, you say, I'm going to call this person on Monday. I'm going to call this person on Tuesday. I'm going to call this person on Wednesday. I'm going to, you know, like you write it out. 
Um, so again, what are the things in my control? I would make a list. Then I am a huge fan of how you start your morning and how you end your day. I think both of those times are really important. And probably the biggest thing that has been such a saving grace for my anxiety is getting up in the morning. And I have two little boys. So I I feel you people that have to get up early and, you know, my boys are my alarm clock. I, I don't get to choose um, when I wake up, but if I can, you know, if I can get up even 20 minutes before them and I, this is what works for me. So, you know, you might have to adapt this, but I do a guided mindfulness exercise off of my phone. Oftentimes there's an app that I use for that. There's a million apps. You can find one. And I just sit and in the quiet and I breathe and I, check in with myself and check in with my body and try to calm everything down. And then I pray and then I set an intention. And for me, that's something super simple and usually based on what went horribly the day before (laughs) or what I feel like I failed at the day before. But, but it could be as simple as like, okay, I am going to try to to be present today with my family. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to get on the floor and play blocks with my boys or, you know, whatever, just like one little intention. Mm -hmm. And for me that, um, it, one, it reminds me of what I'm in control of, but it also reminds me of like what my goal is. So in that way, it's sort of like, this is how I move myself forward in my race as a marathon runner, which I'm totally not by the way. But, but, um, this is the thing that moves me towards, how I want to be and how I want to live in this season. And then I think how you end your day is really important. Um, I think, I think again, for me, it usually on my best days, and I don't remember to do this every day, but I know on the days that I do, I sleep better. I feel better. And it looks kind of the same as when I started my day. And that's sort of like, you know, I'll, get really calm. I'll take some deep breaths. I might do a guided mindfulness exercise. I might pray, or I might just, um, for me, something that's really helpful is to, and I'll do this throughout my day. And my clients will tell you that this is something I ask them to do too, but I will, um, visualize, I don't know if this is going to be helpful, but for me at the end of my day, I will visualize like a big canning jar with a lid and I will just sort of like throw in any crap or any worry or anything that happened in the day that sort of has a negative connotation to it. So like, shit, I was on my phone and I was more worried about the coronavirus and less present with the little boy that was standing right next to me in the kitchen who wanted me to play with his excavator. You know, like, you know, I throw all the things into that jar and sort of visualize putting them in there and screwing the lid on tight and throwing it like just, and, and for me, I visualized throwing it into the ocean because we live near the ocean, but, but getting rid of it. Um, and then I just say something really simple to myself. And that's like, like Amy, like you are enough and you did what you could do. And I have grace for you. And tomorrow's a new day. Um, and so just some way of like, helping yourself process what happened in that day in a very short amount of time and sort of letting your body rest, um, 
letting yourself off the hook. Um, in this season, maybe you need to cry. Like maybe you need to, maybe you need, yeah, maybe you need to cry and, and let some of that stress and the fear and the worries out. Um, maybe you need to call a friend in order to like, let some of that out before you go to bed or talk with your partner about that before you go to bed. Um, just some way to like release the day and let your body rest and get ready for the new one, I think is really important. Well, I feel like we all just got to sit in your counseling office and you're sending us with so much to do today. When I imagine you opening your toolkit and offering us some tools, some of the tools that I've taken notes and some of the tools that you offered us are to pull out curiosity and to be curious about our own anxiety, how we're feeling, sort of self-awareness, what's going on in our body. Um, to ask ourselves what's in our control uh, and even make a list to move our body. That's a great challenge. As you kind of explained um, our brain's connection to our own body and um, to stay connected with each other. I love your challenge to sort of recognize how we might be numbing or escaping and to be, uh, be cautious of doing that. Um, and then to win the mental game, to see the gift and to begin and end our day well. You have, I'm sure, a toolkit full of so many more tools. But before we come to a close, are there any more tools that you feel like you want to pull out of your toolkit and, and hand over to us before we sign off, Amy? Yeah, I think there's just two things come to mind. I think in terms of the being aware of our own anxiety and and sort of that self-awareness and checking in with yourself, the only way you can do that is if you stop and take a moment. And so if, you know, the easiest way to learn to start doing that is to set an alarm on your phone. And this is really practical, but, you know, maybe you can set, you know, four alarms a day where you stop whatever you're doing and you go find a moment alone. And for those of us that are moms or business owners or whatever, that can be hard to do, but do it. It just takes a minute, go into the restroom, you know, lock your bedroom door for a minute um, and just sit and breathe. And the easiest way to start being self-aware is to notice your physical body first. So notice your physical body and where it's holding tension where you have aches and pains and start trying to release those. If that makes sense, like try to relax those muscles, try to try to um, notice sensations in your body and start to relax them. Um, That's just a really simple way to start practicing self-awareness. And for some of us, it's easier to, to start with the physical body. And for some of us, we can go directly to like, slowing down, taking some deep breaths and noticing what, what fears or anxieties come up. Um, but I think trying to do that a couple times a day is just a very practical way of starting to, you know, starting to be kind of grow the muscle of self-awareness, but it also will in each moment that you're doing that, it will release stress and tension. So you're also sort of giving yourself a gift in sort of saying a couple times a day, I'm going to consciously breathe and relax and release stress and tension. 
So that's one tool that I would just say I think is really valuable. Um, and I think the other is I'm just a big believer in mantras. And, and so a mantra is just something, it's written words that you say to yourself um, to remind yourself of things that are true. And I think for me, oftentimes in my own life, mantras have worked for me when I, when I don't even know that I quite believe something, but I know that I want to believe it. Um, or that it's important for my brain and my body to believe that or my soul to believe it, but I, I'm having a hard time believing it. Um, and again, this is something that takes practice, but the more and more we do something, the better our brains get at holding that information. And so if I can tell myself, you know, in this season of stress and trauma and high anxiety and fear and really valid reasons to be afraid for so many um, what would it be like to wake up every morning and tell myself, this is horrible. Like I'm, I'm aware of the fact that the world and I am carrying so much stress, but today I am going to focus on what is in my control today. I'm going to choose to see the goodness, the little things in my life that are still beautiful and are still joyful and what if I said that to myself every morning for the next two months, my brain would start believing it and my brain would start being able to do it. Um, so I don't know what, you know, I think for each person, each one of us, there's something that we need to hold on to right now that's probably hard to hold on to or something we need to believe or remember that's hard to remember. And, you know, science shows us and and neuroscience shows us that if if we start telling our brains and our bodies these things over and over again, that eventually they start believing them and remembering them. And, and it becomes this tool that your, your brain can then access or this information or this belief that your brain can now access, but it does take practice. And so, but I just am a huge believer it for me in my own life, it has worked time and time again. And I think, it's also because I diligently practice. So find a place in your house. And for me, it's my mirror um, in my bathroom. I have sticky notes on it. I have a sticky note on it right now that has three different things that I'm saying to myself and I'm reminding myself of every time I look in that mirror. Um, you know, for some people, it's their shower. I have a client that when she's in the shower, that's when she kind of goes through, you know, what the truth that she needs to remember. And for that, for her, that's become the trigger. Okay. I'm in the shower. That's when I practice telling myself truth or reminding myself of truth. Um, so find what works for you because what, what works for everyone is different. Some people put it on their phones so that every time they open their phone as their wallpaper, there's their truth and they have to look at it multiple times a day. Um, but find a way to remind yourself of, yeah, just sort of, it's an anchor. It's, it gives you an anchor of like, this is what I need to hold on to right now. Oh yeah. I'm a firm believer in, in, I think the word mantra scares some people, but I think all it really is, is exactly what you said, which is reminding yourself of truth. And, you know, we talk a lot around Collide about 
you know, colliding with Jesus, running into God. And I think, especially in times of fear and anxiety, we need to be, people of faith need to be a people who remind themselves of what they know to be true about God. And one of the things that I keep finding myself saying to myself, to my family, and to other people who are freaking out is, even though everything's changing, you have a God who never changes. God still loves you. God still provides for you. God is still good. God is still loving. He's still graceful. Like I just, I just free flow that over myself all day long because I need to be grounded and centered. And I think people of faith don't need to to buy into becoming people of fear, we've got to stand on the things we know to be true and remind ourselves of those things. And we can forget every five minutes, you know? So it's so huge to have moments throughout our day. And I love your challenge of, you know, set an alarm. Why We set alarms for other important things. Why wouldn't we set an alarm to remind ourselves of the truth? Um, it's such a good challenge. In times in my life where I there was a behavior or a thought that I really wanted to change, where something I was doing was so not serving me well, um, I think the only thing that that allowed for that to change in my life, for truth to enter, for a new new way of being to be birthed, was to practice. And and I think I think that's the thing. I just I, I just wanted to emphasize. I think the more and more you can practice in this season of stress and anxiety ways of being that you might even not know how to do yet, but you're just sort of, again, giving yourself a lot of self-compassion and being curious and just trying, getting active and trying something, um, you will become better and better at it and you learn a new way of being. And so, yeah. Yeah practice in your shower <laughs> or, or, or however you practice. But, um, yeah, I think, I just think it's, it's, it's what's in our control. It's what's in your control is how you practice. Well, Amy, I love all the tools that you passed on to us from your toolkit. And I know that we can all use them and I'm grateful for your heart, for your work, and for the person that you are and that you're sharing all of that with us today. How can people connect with you? Yeah, um, I have a website. Um, it's called ashenbloomcounseling.com. Um, and I have a tiny private practice here in Bellingham, Washington. Um, but yeah, probably the website is the easiest way to get connected. That's awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Amy. It was so great to have you. It won't be the last time on the podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, totally. It was awesome. Thanks for, for being with us. And for those of you who are listening, our heart is that you would continue to collide with Jesus and bring to him whatever you have going, whether it's fear and anxiety whether it's worry or um, concern for your loved ones, whatever it is, God calls us to cast our cares upon him. And you can be doing that. We want 
to be here for you. We're creating resources and content to meet you where you're at. And so we have blogs and podcasts and online downloadables that you can do with your kids coming. Check those out. We also have an amazing Bible study that we've heard lots of uh, women write in who are experiencing life change in their anxieties and their fears, and it's called Birds and Lilies. And you can find that at our store on weekly.net. Uh, but we are here for you. So we want to meet you where you're at because that's what Jesus does. So you guys, my hope is that you will collide with him and we will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram at we.collide, on Facebook as at we collide women, And you can also visit our website at wecollide.net to find our blog, resources, event information, and more. One last thing. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a few seconds and leave us a review? It seems like such a small act, but reviews help us to keep producing this content and help other women find it too. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode and letting us walk with you as you seek and collide with Jesus.